episode 17 of the Busted Limes podcast. I'm your host, Paresh Maharaj, in what I hope to be the first of two episodes that I'll be releasing this month, just to make up for our last month not having any episodes. For this episode, we are jumping back into our tiering of the MCU, and for this episode, we will be covering everything from Infinity War all the way to the end with Far From Home. Just as a reminder, since it's been a while, our tiering system ranges from platinum, gold, silver, and bronze. And yeah, that's really it for as far as an intro goes. So let's just go ahead and jump right back into this. All right, so we're starting with Infinity War, huh? Yep, jumping right into it. The beginning of the climax of the MCU. My God! Uh, so, where, where, how did you first see this movie? Because this was in the theaters opening night. <sighs> I mean, like, and I'll talk about this later when we get to Endgame. I saw Infinity War and Endgame opening night in theaters. To this day, those are probably two of the best in theater experiences I've ever had because it's the kind of insane fanboy energy you can only get in an MCU movie. People were cheering. People were crying. I mean, it was like. Infinity War was like going to a sports game where your team is up 23 to nothing and then the entire home team dies at halftime. <laughs> that is the exact sequence of emotions that occurred during watching that movie. Oh yeah, definitely. This is the closest to what I think it felt like seeing the ending of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this in a previous episode with, you know, the Russo brothers saying they wanted Thanos to be this generation Darth Vader. I think they succeeded because, I mean, pretty much everything Thanos did in this movie has made its way into, you know, the zeitgeist. Oh, yeah, definitely. And not to be filmed Twitter on main, but, yes, zeitgeist is a word I now use to describe movies <laughs> somehow. <laughs> I, but, yeah, I mean, so so many of his lines are iconic. I mean, getting Thanos is an expression now. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, he has definitely reached the villain lexicon right up there with Darth Vader, if you ask me, because... Right from the get-go, when he first spells out his philosophy, I just start scouring Facebook and just seeing, like, okay, so which one of my friends will are willing to kill me just for a chance to, right. <laughs> a chance to actually maybe save the world? Because, right. yeah. Do you want? To, do you even want to get into the flaws or a critique of Thanos's uh, philosophy? Or nah? I don't want to get into critiquing the philosophy specifically because ultimately Thanos is a fucking psychopath. Right. Like. Yeah. At the end of the day, I have more of an issue with the Thanos did nothing wrong crowd than I do with Thanos' writing itself, mm-hmm. in Infinity War at least, because, like, if nothing else, I feel like they got kind of shut up by Endgame. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, there are people who still, like, love Darth Vader. I don't have a problem with people loving Thanos, like, the way they love the Joker. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, you know... When you he's become so ingrained into pop culture that we can even raise that as a question. When in when the first Avengers movie came out, unless you were you know a very avid comic reader, you had no fucking idea who Thanos was. Right. I mean, less one thing I want to say before we get into the actual like meat and bones of this movie is that it's kind of amazing in hindsight that the MCU was built almost entirely of the shoulders of movie of characters that people didn't care about when their movies came out. Right. Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Hawkeye, and Black Widow. I mean, people love the Hulk already, but, like, mm-hmm. those five were what you built your franchise on, and you went with Thanos as your eventual big bad? Yeah. The guy that, like, even comic book fans were kind of like, really, that's where they're going with this? Mm-hmm. I mean, 
at the end of the day, like, you know, it's so interesting to talk about Infinity War now because the the movies had come such a long way to the point where it did feel like an inevitable success. Yeah. 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 I mean, shit, you could just, uh, you don't even have to name all those characters that you just named. You could have just said Guardians of the Galaxy. They made a movie about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Well, like but... I said in the Ant-Man <laughs> review, like, once they made Guardians of the Galaxy what they made it, I was like, okay, they don't, they can do whatever they want and I'll have faith in them to at least make it enjoyable. They don't need to go back to the well with all those old characters. I mean, mm-hmm. not to, you know, get too much into this, but it's amazing to see them do that. And on the other hand... DC can't even make an enjoyable Superman movie. Lord, that's a that's an episode for another. That's a discussion for another episode. Uh, you want to actually get into the movie now? Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, we could talk about a movie in the episode that you know is specifically for talking about that movie. <laughs> I, I don't know what the fuck kind of operation you're running here, where a podcast is supposed to stay on topic. But sure, I'll humor you. <laughs> okay, sure. So right from the get go, right at the beginning of this movie, it did really lures you into that sense of uncomfort because it doesn't start with the fanfare with the pages flipping. You hear a distress signal over the opening. Yeah, a distress signal played by the wonderful Sir Kenneth Branagh making his, um, what's the opposite of illustrious? Uh, lack of... Delustrious? I guess Uh, return to the Thor movies by heralding the doom of all the Asgardian refugees. Yeah. There is no way for me to make that sound funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. we open with Ebony Maw. Yes, all of Thanos's Doom Squad, or whatever you want to call them, have names. Mm-hmm. No, none of them are called by names in the movie. Yes, I will call them by their names in this review. Pull up IMDb if you're confused, or just play Strike Force. Yeah, um, not sponsored. Exactly. If Strike Force is listening, hit us up. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. So it opens with Ebony Maw walking over the corpses of. Asgardian civilians while heralding the impending arrival of Thanos as a savior. That shit's fucking dark. Yeah, and just to make it even better, he kills, kills Loki. I don't know if you could hear my quotation marks that I put around kills, but they're there. No more resurrections, only bullshit timeline shenanigans. Exactly. And then, but that's after he beats the Hulk. Yeah, he, I mean, if you want to establish how strong a new character is, have him beat up the guy who was previously considered the strongest character. Not going into the fact that Hulk loses a fight in every movie he's in, but, like, I, seeing the Hulk get manhandled by Thanos when he's not even use, actively using an Infinity Stone, mm-hmm. if that didn't put the fear of at least one god into you... I'm not sure why you're watching Infinity War. Yeah. That's another thing I want to touch on briefly. Mm-hmm. I know we keep going in circles. If you're if you were one of those people who was worried about going into Infinity War Endgame because, oh, I'm going to be confused. I haven't seen the previous movies. Can I go in without seeing the movies? Shut the fuck up. You don't turn on the season finale of a TV show and ask, well, if I haven't seen the previous 14 episodes, will I know what's going on? No, you won't. It's a series of fucking finale. Of course, I mean... Like, I'm just going to skip ahead to the criteria. No, mm. Infinity War isn't a standalone movie, and it shouldn't be. It mm-hmm. is a, the beginning of a culmination. If it was a standalone, it would be failing at what it set out to do. Right, and what it set out sets out to do is to be a feature-length, all-is-lost moment, which it succeeds. Yeah. Let, let, I'm just going to say that right now. It absolutely succeeds. Not only as getting a delivering a gut punch of an ending but also being a thrill ride up to that point yeah so i mean just to break down the plot a little bit 
the comparisons to um, Empire Strikes Back, I think, is also apt in the sense the movie has a very fractured cast, but you never feel like you are too far away from the action, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that the, I really like the way that they split up the cast because, you know, with all these big crossovers, the main draw is always going to be which fun character interactions you want to get. Mm-hmm. Thor being with the Guardians of the Galaxy was a masterstroke. Yes. And, I mean, thank God Taiko Itd reminded the folks at Marvel that, hey, Chris Helmsworth is fucking hilarious. Let him tell jokes. And then you put him with arguably the funniest characters in the MCU. Yeah. Rocket and Groot. Um, but yeah. And then you have, I mean, people had been clamoring for Iron Man, Doctor Strange interaction ever since this Doctor Strange's movie got announced. Mm -hmm. And I mean, of course... Oh, we're using our made-up names is still a fucking meme. Yep, yep. Which, for the record, that line got just as much of a reaction in the um, theater as it did in the trailer. Like, it's just... Tom Holland's delivery was on point for that. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. And even getting to see the Tony Stark interact with Star-Lord, which... Oh, that, again, like... <laughs> it's it's such... There's... I mean, here's the thing. It's the MCU. There's... They're playing with very simple tropes here. It's all various... Um, you know, variations of the straight man comic relief dynamic. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they have so many of each and so many characters that can be both ends of the dynamic mm-hmm. is what makes it so work. Like, you know, like I said earlier, it is a valid criticism of the MCU that everybody's a fucking comedian. But when everybody, the like characters like Tony Stark can be the comedian or the straight man, depending on who they're interacting with. Mm-hmm. Like, again, that's not a super complex writing style, but the movie plays to it that's its strengths. And I think that's what, you know, I, I'll have plenty of criticisms for the Russo brothers at the end of this, but one thing I'll give them credit for, and this is that they spend most of this movie playing to the MCU's strengths in a way that really does make this feel like a good celebration and culmination of it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that all comes to a head with the battle on Jupiter. Was it Jupiter or Mars that they fought Thanos? On? That was the ruins of Titan. Ruins of, Ti- ruins of Titan. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, the ruins of Titan fight where they, you see everyone in perfect synergy just working together using their powers. Yeah, and the it still they, doesn't yeah. matter. And it still doesn't work all because... for a drop of blood. <laughs> and of course, back on Earth still, you have Cap and Team Cap from Civil War meeting up with the Wakandans, which, I mean... <sighs> it is as epic as in the proper sense of the yeah. word. I mean, Captain America showing up in that train station to rescue Scarlet Witch and Vision, I would liken that to John Cena entering number 30 at the Royal Rumble. Yes. Like it, that it, level of hype. Yeah, exactly. Also, yeah. Chris Evans with a beard and the long slick back hair is just unfair. <laughs> like, I am sorry. Like... I'm not even trying to be horny on main. I'm just being honest. I want there to be something wrong with Chris Evans because he legitimately comes across as too perfect. He, he, yeah. Yeah. Like, that man (laughs) needs to have a literal skeleton in his closet. Please. Please let him have, like, accidentally backed over his neighbor's foot with his car once. (laughs) That is all I'm... Maybe he paid a credit card bill late. That is what I am asking for. Show me a fucking scratch on that perfect fucking windshield. Just just keep grasping for those straws, man. Just keep grasping. Maybe you'll get it eventually. I mean, (laughs) at least Robert Downey Jr. had a decency for this to be his comeback. Chris Evans just started at the top of the fucking mountain. Oh, my God. I mean... Think of it this way. Uh, just remember that he was in Not Another Teen Movie, which that movie actually wasn't that bad. I mean, that was his breakout role. That's how perfect he is. That was his breakout role. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I mean, to be fair, all this is really just him, you know, 
redeeming himself for those Fantastic Four movies. Oh, right. Those existed. Yeah. That's the best thing you can say about those movies. They existed. Yeah. I know. We've talked all this uh, all this about the action and the characters, but I th- another scene I really want to talk about is that scene where he's ju- it's just him and Gamora, just, where he's he spells out his, his entire yeah. philosophy there. And it's just... Don't ask how I know this, but Thanos is one of the best written examples of an abusive asshole. No, 100%. And I think two things make that scene work. Mm-hmm. First, it like you said, it's a very clear-cut example of an abusive parent talking to their child who has grown up and is tired of their shit. Right. But also, like the point of that scene is that Thanos' plan is obviously terrible. Gamora spells out all of the obvious flaws with it. The point of that isn't for Thanos to argue his point and make a reasonable case. Mm. The point is for him to fail to argue his case and show just how far gone he is, in my opinion. Being a parent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of Thanos and Gamora... I do think we need to talk about the Soul Stone. Yes. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, I mean, yeah. ultimately, a lot of people's biggest issue with that is the idea, the implication that seeing that an abusive parent can, or an abuser can love their victim enough that a cosmic force of energy can recognize it as a worthy sacrifice. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I don't want to claim to be an expert on this subject. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... Abusers don't know that they're abusers. Right. But does a, mm. the Soul Stone know that he's an abuser? The, the, I think that's sure. the question here. It's not a question of whether does Thanos actually love Gamora. It's a question of whether his idea of love should have been recognized as a worthy sacrifice. Hmm. And I mean, I think it's worth discussing, like, would it have been a satisfying plot thread if he sacrificed Gamora and it didn't work? Where does the movie go from there? Yeah, that yeah, that's another thing. I don't want to step on film rescue shows toes too much, so I won't go too much into what they could have, should have done differently. Right. Ultimately, that still is one of the most emotionally gut-wrenching scenes in the entire MCU. Yeah, but and you can't take that away from them regardless of whether you like the execution or not. It is hard to watch. Yeah, exactly, because it's what makes it is that it is drawn out to the perfect length, because the yeah. minute it uh gamora says uh what's, what's the line again it's something about how uh R- really tears and then his red skull we'll get to red skull in a second red skull is like they aren't for him <sighs> and then she realizes <sighs> yeah and it's like of course i figured it out way before that oh yeah but no. just that, that's the thing it's you're reacting to gamora to seeing gamora yeah. figure it out and you're just like yeah. there it suspense is. at its best isn't the audience being surprised it's the audience seeing the characters reach the same conclusion they just did exactly yeah. precisely on to red skull legitimately one of the biggest fucking surprises and plot twists i've ever seen executed in a marvel movie right like i mean here's the thing <laughs> I'll say I was pretty online at the time, so, like, there are people who thought this might be a possibility, because there was a pretty decent fan theory that Red Skull wasn't killed at the end of Captain America. Ah, right, right, right. But, like, the idea for him to show up there in that way, like, how the hell did they not get that leaked? I don't know. <laughs> like, I'll talk hmm. about my spoiler opinions at the end of this, like, on how they handle that, but, I mean, well done on that, at least. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Jesus, oh. it's, oh. yeah. And that's the thing. So much of this movie, like, is payoff. That's the most important thing, is mm-hmm. that, you know, you're paying off all of the time Tony spent developing the suit to the point where it's literally just nanites forming around him. Mm-hmm. You're paying off, you know, their dynamic with Black Panther from Civil War when the Wakandan army helps him fight Thanos' army. Right. You're, you're paying off the father-son dynamic between Peter Parker and Iron Man. Oh, I mean, and how? Yeah. The amazing thing about this movie is how many highs and lows are basically overlapping. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have the scene with um 
for arriving and meeting giant Peter Dinklage, which is amazing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the whole forging the um, axe scene is brilliant, plus with Groot holding the burning metal together and chopping off his arm to make the handle. Metal as fuck. God. So, to describe what it was like in the theater, Thor's entrance in Wakanda was the biggest pop I have ever heard, and then it cost to Thanos showing up a Titan dead silence immediately. Whoa. It felt like someone hit the mute button on a football game. It was literally just the audience like, yeah! It's the oh. immediate mood whiplash from, holy shit, they're gonna win to holy fuck, they're gonna die. <laughs> Jeez. And speaking of dying... Yeah, that was hard to watch. The snap is hard to watch. I will say mm. this about the snap. Mm. Um... A lot of people were saying, oh, you know, you shouldn't feel sad about the snap because we know all these characters are coming back. The characters don't know that. Yeah, the characters don't know that, and we don't know how they're going to come back. That's the thing. Because, mm -hmm. like, we knew going into Endgame they were going to have to sacrifice a lot to bring these characters back. Mm -hmm. And also, it doesn't make it any harder to watch those characters die. Like, Bucky was just a kick in the dick for Steve. But then T'Challa? Peter! Dude, I was legitimately having a breakdown in my seat. Like, my, I was literally like, no, 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 out loud in the theater while that was happening. God. I was not okay after that. Neither was. Yeah. And then Tony's reaction just to, he just, he asks, literally asks Strays, why would you do that? And he's like, we're in the end game now. Yeah. Every, the thing with that is, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh my god, they died. Oh my god, they're still going. Oh my god, they died. Oh my god, they're still going! <laughs> I think R Rocket is the only Guardian of the Galaxy who survives, isn't he? Yep. God. I mean, mm. and when we get into Endgame, we can talk a little bit more about whether the people they chose to have survive paid off. Mm -hmm. But I will say this. Ultimately, I think something that kind of undercut it in this movie is that... um. When they initially did, like, their big um, reveal of the timeline for Phase 3, mm -hmm. Endgame's initial title was Infinity War. It was Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. Right. If we hadn't known there was a Part 2 coming going into this movie, I feel like people would have had very different expectations. Because people went into this essentially knowing Thanos was going to survive and probably win to some extent, and then we'd have another movie to take him down. Right. I'll admit, people were going back and forth on whether the snap was actually going to happen, mm -hmm. but the assumption was, you know, the Avengers were going to lose. Right. I don't think we realized yeah. the magnitude of that loss until it actually started happening, but I mm -hmm. mean, those were expectations that maybe it would have been more beneficial if people didn't have. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And of course, the end credit scene with Nick Fury. Oh, yeah. Which, thank God uh, the guy next to me was nerding out uh, more than I was because yeah. I had no idea. It was my same reaction to the end credits scene in uh, the original Avengers. I was just like, okay, who's that? Yeah. And, if yeah. you're not familiar with Captain Marvel's costume, you might have not been, you might have been a little underwhelmed by Nick Fury's pager. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like you can put an S on there and people know who you're calling. Right, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you, you just want to get into the ranking now or is there anything else you want to... I discuss? mean, it's platinum. It's platinum, yeah. <laughs> It really is. I, I just yeah. called it one of the best movie go theater experiences of my entire life. I'm not going to mm. give it a silver after that. <laughs> or gold. Or hell, even gold would be debatable. Yeah, but no. yeah, not nah, platinum. I mean, they know what they need to do when they knock it out of the park and leave you wanting more. Yeah. I think this is only the one of three MCU movies that I've actually gone back and rewatched. Or maybe four. Like, yeah, Avengers, this one, Winter Soldier, 
Ragnarok, Guardians, uh, Guardians two. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so five. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And of course, afterwards, you know, after that repeated kick in the teeth, you need a little bit of a palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. And who better to do that than the Ant Man and the Wasp? Yep. <laughs> Ant Man two. Ant Man and the Wasp. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean. A lot of what I liked about the first Ant-Man, you can still say about this one, for better and for worse. Mm -hmm. It's a great family comedy with some good, you know, dynamics and a decent amount of... Ultimately, the biggest strike against this movie is it doesn't do a lot to distinguish itself from the first one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, It's another fun heist movie with the spin of them being on the run instead of, you know, being Mm. the... Like, having a base of operations. Right. I mean, Mm. the humor is brilliant. Again, Lewis and um, Scott, you know, two of the funniest characters in the whole MCU, which is saying a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mm. I will say, you know finally bringing in janet van dyne like comic fans had a reason to be excited for this i mean bringing in the original wasp it's hard to say that to someone who hasn't who's read a comic book and not have them get excited right because yeah people who read the comics the wasp was one of the founding members of the avengers yeah Mm. also hey bringing in Lawrence fishburne and acknowledging the existence of goliath that's (laughs) a deep fucking cut I mean, Lawrence Fishburne, Lawrence, ladies and gentlemen. Lawrence Fishburne, yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And yep. I mean, um, Hannah John Common as Ghost in this movie was a great villain. Yes! Like, oh I my wish people goodness. talk about this movie before because Ghost is a fantastic villain. Yeah! You want to talk about villains who did nothing wrong. She's just trying to... Literally just yeah. wants to survive. Survive, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, this movie, again, it does a good job of driving home the fact that Hank Pym, not a great person. The villains... <laughs> very how would i say justified in not liking him <laughs> yeah. yeah like ultimately mm. the only sympathetic thing about him in this movie is that he cares about his family i mean and yeah. scott a little bit scott a little bit yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean ultimately the only thing that kind of works against this movie is the pacing is a little weird mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah the yeah. pacing is a little weird and you know it's meant to be and it's a power cleanser that cannot that long sorry, canonically takes place before Infinity War. Yeah. So there's a feeling of, like... The good thing about the Ant-Man movies is that they're very self-contained, but, like, mm-hmm. it's so low stakes that, like... Yeah. I mean, like I said, low stakes, personal stakes are good, mm-hmm. but, like, out, it, it, there's not a whole lot of tension until they actually get to the quantum realm. Right, scenes. exactly, exactly. Like, like the fights yeah. are fun, but the characters never really feel like they're in danger. Right. As- yeah. Aside from, like, the few scenes where it seems like Hank Pym would die... Which, I mean, I legitimately thought for a second, like, he was going to sacrifice himself in the quantum realm to send Janet back. They really kind of set that up like a hero's final mission type thing. Right, exactly. I'm glad they didn't, because, I mean, Michael Douglas as Hank Pym is still a brilliant casting decision, and I love any time he's on screen. Uh-huh. And now we get to see him and Michelle Pfeiffer get to be a happy old married couple. Oh, my God. Which, Michelle Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer getting into the MCU just... Well yeah, done. Yes. Chef's kiss. Wow. Yes. Yeah, it makes sense. And oh my gosh, um, and it's funny though, because uh, you mentioned that they're a happy couple, and I think the scene that best illustrated that, ironically enough, was a scene that she wasn't in. It's the scene where uh, uh, Scott oh is channeling yes. her. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's just talk, that. I think talking about that is the whole review. Paul Rudd playing Michelle Pfeiffer playing Paul Rudd. I'm such a sucker for these scenes, but he does it so well. God, it's so good. The, the way they manage to ban- ba- balance the emotions, like the serious emotions and the pure ridiculousness of that mm-hmm. is just... Paul Rudd's fucking amazing. And the fact that Michael Douglas and Evangeline Lilly didn't completely break shooting that is amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, they do such... Like you said, they... 
have one scene where Michelle Pfeiffer isn't even on scene and they establish that everything we've been led to believe about this family is true. They love each other and are happy and want to be together. Like, mm -hmm. there's no last-minute plot twist for, oh, she got turned evil by the quantum realm. Hmm. Oh, she's... Yeah, blah, whatever. Like, they, they don't mm. need that. It's a happy family comedy and all the co ha families in this are happy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Also, shit, they, they pretty much, uh, when you mentioned Goliath, they pretty much just set up stature, didn't they? Pretty much. Oh, hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. And I mean, again, talking about things that worked from the first movie, the child actress who played Cassie Lang. Perfect. I mean... I'm always amazed at child actors who manage to be on screen with such well-established stars and steal the show. But mm -hmm. she's on screen most of the time with Paul Rudd, and he's not even the most interesting thing on screen at that point. She just, like, one of the most well-executed moral compasses in these movies, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's not even a case where, like, the child is way too smart for any... It's like, mm -hmm. she looks at things from a very childish point of view, but in a way that makes sense. Like, it's a very black-and-white my dad is trying to be the good guy and I should encourage him to do that thing. I don't think that's unrealistic. Exactly, yeah. Especially because, yeah. like, it's a good scene where, like, it reminds you how low the stakes actually are in a good way. Mm -hmm. Like, kind of waters it all down to this is why you're a superhero. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's refreshing yeah, yeah. after having so many movies that question whether superheroes even need to exist to have <laughs> one where the answer is just yes. And yeah. they're good at it. And I love them. Yeah, and just be a good parent. Yeah. Speaking of being good superheroes to talk about hope finally getting to put a suit on and get into the action yes oh my gosh all of the scenes because you could tell just from each of her action scenes just how made for this she was a hundred percent i mean they said it in the first movie that she was really more qualified than scott and he was only there because he was expendable right in this movie you find out how outclassed scott is yeesh I mean, Yeesh. Wasp in this movie is not a sidekick. I no. cannot stress that enough. No. No. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, still one of the best lines is, so, is she, I, oh, she has wings? I'm guessing that technology just, like, wasn't available for me. No, it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which, I mean, you could unpack why Hank didn't give himself wings then if you want to. Mm. Oh, yeah. Huh. Hmm. Food for thought. Yeah. Oh, man. L listen, all I will say is he's still a dick. I mean, the MCU loves to make his its scientists terrible people. Yeah. But, I mean, Hank Pym in the MCU is still unequivocally a better person than he is in the comics. Uh, yeah. For all for his sure. flaws, he is a wife guy. And I will not take that away from him. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. So, yeah, with all that said... Uh, oh, one more uh, thing we want to oh. talk about. This Randall Park as Special Agent oh, Jimmy Woo. Of course! Oh, my God! Yeah. This is the movie with the where he starts teaching him the card tricks, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, with the yeah. fucking, like, close-up magic. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, that whole, op that whole house arrest opening. Oh, all montage. the house arrest scenes are great. Yeah. And the yeah. fucking ant playing the drums. I mean, it was in the trailer, and it's still amazing. It, I know. It, yeah. And, I mean, chase scenes with tiny cars. Just yes. mm. chase scenes with tiny cars. Never get old. Nope. Never get old. No. Yeah. So um, but yeah, I think what you said is that it uh, ultimately it does it does kind of ultimately yeah. The biggest strikes against it is yeah. that it is so similar to the first one, and ultimately there's not a whole lot of tension until the like the big climactic climax of the movie is Scott racing to get home in time to be home when his parole officer shows up right like that's yeah. how low the stakes in this movie are yeah yeah so i mean at the end of the day it's a movie about a dad who wants to be a good dad to his kids exactly and so 
I'm willing to give it a silver. Yeah, it's a silver. It, it doesn't quite surpass the original, but it's still fun to watch for a lot of the same reasons. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So now, moving on to Captain Marvel. Now, let's get this out of the way right fucking now. We stand Brie Larson, we okay? Yes. If you are unnecessarily harassing Brie Larson on the internet, I will find you. Yes. Oh, my God. That's just the thing about this movie. It was just so unfairly maligned on the internet, on the audience. This is why Rotten Tomatoes just as a whole just is not... It's, would you say it's rotten? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Like, yeah. I'm not even going to chuckle at that. It yeah, is here's the thing. I have wrong. some it's... criticisms about this movie. But I will talk about all the positive stuff first because I wanted to be clear how much I love this movie. Carol Danvers is a great fucking character, even mm -hmm. in the parts of the movie where she's not herself. Right. Like, the the whole... Here's the thing. I mm -hmm. love that they reached a point in the MCU where they're like, you know what? Let's just do Rashomon and make it sci-fi. <laughs> Who gives a shit at this point? We're going to make a million and a half dollars off of this anyway. Just a million and a half? <laughs> Listen, I'm not good at thinking of big numbers, okay? <laughs> Uh, so, it's funny, you mentioned that you love this movie. I I mean, here's I, the thing. I was kind of lukewarm on it, to be honest. No, here's but, the thing. Yeah. I'm not saying that it was a fantastic movie. Of course, I'm saying of course. I loved it. Exactly. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Like, Carol Danvers is like your standard loose canon, I don't give a fuck, I just want to do the right thing character. Absolutely. She just doesn't know it, because at the beginning of the movie, she's been brainwashed, and she's just following orders that mm -hmm. she's slowly learning to question. Right. Which is cool to see, because, mm -hmm. like... There's a lot of, you know, they don't necessarily go for subtlety with it, <laughs> but it's, you know, I appreciate that to an extent. Right. Because the movie doesn't want you to mistake what it's saying. Exactly. Right, I will right, say, yeah. so again, she plays a character very well, very charismatic and likable. Yeah. Carol Danvers is. Like, even that those tiny moments, like the part where she's fighting all the, is it the Kree that she's fighting or the Skrull? She starts off fighting the Skrull, then she fights the Kree later. Okay, the, yeah, the, when she's fighting, yeah, she's kind of, right, that's right, because she's part of the Kree when yeah. fighting the Okay, that part where she's fighting the Skrull and one of them roars at her, she roars back. Right. Here's the thing. <laughs> Carol Danvers is an asshole, but she's so likable. Like, she's no-nonsense, I don't give a fuck, I will do what I need to do, and I love that. Because here's the thing, yeah. and this is why this movie was unfairly maligned, you don't often get to see female leads be that kind of character. She's not likable because she's smiling and friendly and likes little kids. Mm -hmm. She does like little kids. But she's likable because she's a badass. She's likable because, and I'm gonna get go straight to the positives of this one, because the main thing that I loved about this movie, she is... She is able to outsnark Nick Fury. Yeah, which I mean, you understand why Nick Fury respects her so much in this movie. I will never forget the tape scene. God, that was you. You, you could have done that this whole time. You just sat there and watched me play with tape. Yeah. <laughs> yep. God. I'll never forgive them for not giving us a Nick Fury Carol Danvers scene in Endgame. <sighs> I'll get to that later. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so, yeah, and I mean, the supporting cast is brilliant, too. I mean, fucking Jude Law as the surprise villain, who, I mean, we knew going into he was probably going to be the villain. But, like, I mean, he plays his role so well. He he starts off as such a good, he's a, the mentor who's kind of condescending, but in a way that makes you think he really cares. But it turns out he does care. He's just also an asshole. <laughs> and a war criminal. Yeah. 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 I, I will say, as a someone who was a fan of the source material in the comics, I actually was really, did not see this twist with the Skrull coming at all. Like, in the comics, the Skrull is straight up, like, I mean, the Kree versus Skrull war is very much kind of both sides are evil type thing. But, like, right. to outright make the Skrulls a sympathetic party was a 
ballsy fucking move and I respect them for it. Dude, yes. Like, oh it was legitimately, God. here's the thing, it worked on comic readers because literally there was that tension of like, are they just playing with her? Are they fucking with her? Is there going to be a twist at the end? And it's no, the Skrulls are now the good guys in the MCU. And I love the story potential there. Yes. And we, we? we've we seen a little bit of it now, which yeah. we'll get to, but yeah. yeah, there's so much potential there. And I mean, and again, talking about the supporting cast, um, Lashana Lynch as... um. Maria Rambeau. Oh. I mean, I don't give a fuck. She and Carol are a couple. Yes. I don't care. Yes. They're the fucking lesbian partners in the 90s raising their child together. You <laughs> cannot change my mind. You cannot take that interpretation away from me. Happy Pride, motherfuckers. Right? <laughs> yeah, and I don't remember her name, but the child actress who played Monica Rambeau mm-hmm. just... Again, like, the MCU somehow has mastered the art of finding child actors that steal a fucking show. I mean, that's probably the Disney influence. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of their thing. But, I mean, again, yeah. it's similar with Cassie. But, she's not, like, absurdly intelligent, but she's a moral compass. Like, she convinces her mom, like, you're a square if you don't get in that fucking spaceship. She didn't say <laughs> it like that, but that's what she said. And then, that, oh my god, the whole scene where Carol just keeps changing her suit over right. and over again just to entertain this, the kid. Nope, this, nope, this, it's literally just a video game customization menu. That's exactly what it is. It's like when you're XCOM and you're trying to find the decal that looks good on your new character. That's literally all that scene is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, or, or like substitute that with any other video game you've actually played that had customization. Right. All right. What was the cat's name again? I think it's Chewy in this one, or is it? It was Goose. Goose. Because oh. they named it after the guy from Top Gun. That's right. It's that's Chewy right. in the comics. comics. Right, right, right. Which did you see that coming? Because I sure as hell did. It being not. an alien. Yeah. So here's the thing: in the comics, the cat is an alien that just looks like a cat. Oh, it wasn't oh, like right. the kind of alien it is in the show. I mean, oh. in the movie. Oh, okay. So I didn't see it coming, but it was fucking hilarious, and I loved it. Dude, I did not see that coming. So I, I, I just had the. Like I was so I was one of those reactors where I was just so surprised that I just had a neutral look on my face and then wait what? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> what now? It's like I didn't process that. Can you do it again? <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna criticize a story po- choice. Okay. And then I'm gonna criticize something about the movie, but not like about the story. Alright, yeah, sure. Go ahead. kind of about the movie. Yeah. Okay. It's complicated. Just say it. it. Okay, first of all, Fuck what they decided to be the reason Nick Fury lost his <laughs> yeah, eye. Yeah. I'm sorry, I get what you're going for, but that just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... I, I, I kind of like the idea of, oh, it wasn't actually that dramatic. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand what you're going for, but, I mean, you had hyped it up so much beforehand, it just feels kind of... Like, it retroactively makes so many of Nick Fury's lines worse. Like, yeah. the line, the last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye, just makes him seem like... I mean, yes, he is extremely dramatic. But yeah. it's just like, that's what's just like, really, Fury? <laughs> really? That's the angle you're going with this? Mm-hmm. It's like, again, like, I'm fine with it being something not very dramatic, but it literally being like, yeah, scra- cat scratched my eye and it got infected. Like, really? That's what yeah. you went with? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But, but, but hey, we, you know, like I said, there's a, uh, I'm willing to forgive all of that because uh, Brie Larson and Samuel Jackson just cares, just, they just charisma their way through this right. whole movie. And, and I mean, <laughs> Bri- Captain Marvel literally turns into a Super Saiyan to destroy an entire fleet of starships single-handedly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just, the and of course, it all it's all capped off with her just shutting up Jude Law's character. Yeah. <laughs> I love that final confrontation so much because, like, that's a good subversion of expectations. Mm-hmm. There's no dramatic final battle. She's like, no, fuck you. I don't need to prove anything to you. Get off of my fucking planet. <laughs> it's the next evolution of the Indiana Jones gun scene. Right? Yeah. Also, like, let's be fair. That is a... Uh, for lack of a better term, strong female protagonist shutting up her abusive male antagonist and shipping him off to jail. Yeah, exactly. Like, <sighs> I mean, it's great. 
my uh-huh. my one other criticism of this movie, and this is going to tie in some of the real life stuff around the movie, is um we've touched a little bit on the um connection between Marvel movies and the U.S. military, mm-hmm. and in no movie wasn't more, in my opinion, disgusting than this one. Right. Because here's yeah. the thing, other movies like the military involvement mostly just in small script changes and funding, mm-hmm. which again. You are entitled to your opinion on that. I'm not going to tell you what to think about that because it's a complicated matter. One of the few things I legitimately believe is a complicated matter. Right, exactly. In this movie, they legitimately had an Air Force recruiting marketing campaign tied to this movie's marketing campaign. Mm. They had recruiting tables set up at the showings of this movie. That I will not condone or approve of. That is exploitation of your audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, talking about making... Like, like, listen. These are kids' movies. Yeah, it's a kid's... Like, yes, I fully support and encourage the feminist spin on your marketing. That is necessary and cool. Mm-hmm. But don't spin it into feminist Air Force marketing. That is gross. Ugh, yeah. And to bring that into yeah. the movie, here's the thing with Carol. Mm-hmm. She starts off fighting the Kree, believing they're fighting for defending themselves against the Skrull, who mostly are operating as terrorists. Right. Then she finds out in a twist, the Kree were the initial aggressors and the Skrulls are on the defensive being oppressed. And she realizes she's yeah. being fed propaganda. I so she decides to be it, one of the good guys and join the U.S. military? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, God. The, the lack did. of self-awareness in yeah. that is, I'd say, mind-boggling, but it's kind of expected at this point. Like, the fact that she returns to Earth after being gone for so long and doesn't question anything about the U.S. military ostensibly being the good guys Mm -hmm. is, like, Mm -hmm. you're unintentionally making your character stupid by not allowing them to respond to things realistically. Right. Yeah. 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 But hey, we we get a cameo of Stan Lee reading for his Mallrats cameo. Right. I mean... (laughs) As far as 90s references go, that was actually pretty clever. Can we talk about the amount of 90s references in this? I mean, I am a child of the 90s, so yeah. So let's start with the... The fact that the trailer yeah. opened with her crashing into a blockbuster. Yes, that too. But and also, uh, one of my little cr- tiny criticisms of the yeah. movie is the I'm just a girl by no doubt fight scene. I get Again, I get what they were going for. That is not a fight scene song. There were probably better songs they could have chosen for that scene that would have fit Carol's, fit Carol's character better. Yeah. Like, I will say yeah. one thing about the music choice in this movie mm-hmm. is it felt like they were just going for 90s nostalgia and not 90s nostalgia that makes sense for the character. Like, to compare yeah. it to the music choices in Guardians of the Galaxy, those songs also all have some kind of meaning for the characters and what's happening in the scene. There's mm-hmm. not always a whole lot of connection between the song choice and the... um what's happening with the, yeah although i did like using nirvana's come as you are in the mindscape scene. i was just about to say that that yeah, with yeah. the supreme intelligence that was fun yeah also credit to them for going for nirvana and not choosing smells like teen spirit that would have been a very easy but they, yeah. they actually chose the song that kurt cobain actually liked mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm only happy when it rains that was good too when they're driving to the oh, yeah. <laughs> to the area 51 that's not actually area 51 but yeah. <laughs> you know also hey young colson <laughs> Yes, young. Oh yeah, the de aging, which honestly looked better on Sam Jackson than Colson. But I mean, not to be to fair, say- they needed to age Sam Jackson a lot less than they <laughs> did Clark. No offense to Agent Colson. Yeah, I mean, he still look good. He wears it well, but mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. yeah. And of course, his performance is spot on. Oh, of course, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you hadn't been watching Agents of Shield like me, it is very refreshing to have him back on screen and be reminded why you love him so much. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. Yep. 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 And of course, the um. The after credits scene for this movie, I think. Shoot, what was it again? It's the one where you see the end of Infinity... After the end of Infinity War with the Avengers, with the pager, and Carol shows up and asks, where's Fury? Oh, oh, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, that sets things up nicely. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you just saw what this woman is capable of, and yeah. Thanos just pissed her off. Yeah. I will say, coming out of the movie, a lot of people seem to be under the impression, like, oh, well, Captain Marvel's just going to show up and beat Thanos herself, and the Avengers won't do anything. It's like, mm. have a little bit of faith in the storytelling potential of these movies at this point, please. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, come mm. on. I'm going to be mm. completely real. If they went with Marvel in this movie, I don't think people would have been as like, oh, yeah, he's just going to show up and kill Thanos. Like, mm-hmm. no, he isn't. Nothing about his... The only, like, real criticism I have of Captain Marvel's personality in this movie is she doesn't have a whole lot of a character arc because she spends so long getting over her amnesia. That is true. That is true, Like, yeah. her biggest character growth is, mm. like, remembering what her actual personality is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, honestly, I'm, I'm going to go with silver. Oh, it's a, it's a strong silver for strong, me, but a silver yeah. nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Right, it's a yeah. silver that I really enjoy. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, and well, as we clear, silver's not a bad tier. A lot of good movies have been in silver tier so far. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I don't remember all of them, because there are a lot of these fucking movies, the fir- but a lot of good ones are in there. The first Thor is the one that came to my head. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah there. Yeah. All right, next one is... is the, we're in the end game now, baby. Woo! Oh my god. Man, let's talk this... about the expectations going into this one. Like, if Infinity War is crazy, I mean... This is literally, essentially, a series finale of 10 years worth of movies. I think finding a way to make this a satisfying ending was a monumental task. And the fact that they succeeded to the degree they did with as few flaws as they did Mm -hmm. is amazing. And I like that you qualified with as few flaws as you did, but we'll get into that Uh, later. Here's the thing. The fact that they had as few flaws as they did and managed to satisfy as many fans as they did Mm -hmm. to the point that it is not generally accepted as a disappointing ending is a magnificent feat. Right. Because, remember, Endgame came out the same year that Game of Thrones ended. So we've seen what happens Mm. when a show doesn't end satisfyingly. That's true. I completely forgot about that. Yikes. Yeah. I think, like, about a month or so after, right? Something like that, Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, let's jump right into it. So, okay. the movie opens with us finding out why Hawkeye wasn't in this movie. And <sighs> finding out why he's going to be in this... Why he was in Infinity War and why he's going to be in this one. Right, because his family died and he fucked off to become Ronin. Yep. <laughs> Which, I mean... It is what it is. It's the largest bit of character growth he's been allowed to show in any of these movies. Yeah. Yeah, it said something that when you said, um, what this movie opens with, I was going to say, Thor actually went for the head. But no, you know, that happens after. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, then we get um, cast away Tony Stark and Nebula in the Guardian's ship. Probably going to die until Captain Marvel rescues them, brings them back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Loose Avengers reunion. And then they go track down Thanos and they kill him because he's weak and he destroyed the stones. Yep, exactly. And then a time skip of five years. <sighs> yeah, let, let's... I'll, again, I don't want to step on the film rescue show's toes here, but I have mixed feelings about the choice to do a time skip. Yeah, yeah, because they were because a part of the marketing was this movie's three hour length. Yeah. Ooh, so, but and then do the and then they go and do this. My biggest problem with the time skip is too much happens during the time skip off screen. Like, here's the thing. Jeez. If there was like a more like raw emotion and urgency in trying to undo the snap and get revenge on Thanos, like there was at the beginning of the movie, that'd be one thing. Mm-hmm. But when you have characters that have apparently spent five years adjusting to the end of the last movie and then they decide to come back and try and undo it, mm-hmm. it feels a little jilted emotionally. I don't know if that's the right word. I've never used it in a sentence before, but that's how it felt. Yeah, exactly. It, this yeah. feels jilted. That's how I felt watching this movie. It's a word now. We'll deal with it. Yeah. yeah. English is a fucking joke. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but um, yeah, and. So, talking about character interactions, it is interesting to see how, you know, Avengers kind of adapted. Like, we see a new version of the Avengers with essentially Black Widow as the leader and Rocket, mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, 
Okoye and Nebula War Machine as the main people trying to just, you know, yeah. deal with the blip, which I'll get into when we get to Far From Home, like the blip. But oh, I mean, God, yeah. here's mm. the thing, like, the movie feels very, it's weird, because the movie feels dystopian, mm-hmm. but the dystopia is juxtaposed with the parts of the world that have moved forward. Yeah. Which is... Yeah. In a post-pandemic world, maybe it's not that realistic that the world managed to move along as well as it seems to have in that movie. True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say my biggest issue with the time skip is that we skip forward and all of a sudden we have Professor Hulk. Yeah. Here's my problem with that. That is the logical conclusion to Bruce Banner and the Hulk's character arc, and it happens off-screen during a time skip. Which, fuck that, because you had an entire plot point in Infinity War where he was too scared to come out uh, and fight Thanos. Yes, that's what that was. Fuck yes, you, Russo. that's exactly what it was. Yeah. I'm going to say also, before we get into anything else with this movie, yeah. this is the movie that made me sick of the Russo. The Russos had their heads yes. so far up their asses when they made this movie. It's God. like... Okay, thank you. Thank you. D- you do not need to re-explain every goddamn thing that happened in this movie. It's already three hours long. Mm. And, like, when your explanations apparently not only contradict the screenwriter's explanations, but what actually explicitly happened on screen, you just need to shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> shut the fuck up. And don't cast yourself as the, as the quote-unquote gay character. In the Who thing. shows up like, for five minutes and the only indication that they're gay is a fucking pronoun. Ugh. Anyway, let's talk about the parts of this movie I actually like. Yeah, uh, sure. Here's the thing. Yeah. This movie ultimately functions really well as a culmination and a celebration of the MCU. Yeah. I will say this. Up until literally the last five minutes, they do time travel well. Ah. They set up rules and they follow them. And Mm -hmm. they don't get too carried away with what they think they can accomplish with time travel in the confines of the narrative. Yeah. And it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, they give themselves limited resources to accomplish it. They have plenty of things that could go wrong. And Mm -hmm. I just... It's almost a clip show, but a more entertaining... It's an interactive clip show. See, that's that's one thing that I really loved about it. It avoided the uh, pitfall of just being a clip show. Because yeah, uh, we do get, yeah. like, some of the behind-the-scenes yeah. stuff from the first Avengers, yeah. but yeah. It's retroactive in a way that feels affectionate and not like it's blowing its own dick. Exactly. <laughs> it, is a, it, it is just lovingly admiring America's ass. Uh, that is America's ass. <laughs> Like, I I do like... Like, here's the thing. They kind of poke fun at things that the fans have been poking fun at for a while, like Cap Suit and that. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, again, like, they highlight the parts of the things that got us to this point that we all loved. Mm -hmm. Like, the character dynamics are still great once Steve and Tony start getting along again. We'll get to Tony Mm -hmm. later. Right, Um, You know, we get to interaction between Tony and his dad. Yeah! Oh, my God. Which I don't care what anyone... Say whatever you want about the final battle, but that part is just my highlight. That is heart-wrenching. That is my highlight. Tony Stark is now a dad giving his father retroactive fatherhood advice is like, oh, you wanted... Here's my heart. I didn't realize this was part of the price of admission. (laughs) (laughs) Also, fucking 70s, a hippie, Michael Douglas as young Hank Pym. Yeah. Just brilliant. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I mean... And the interesting yet... I approve of the choice to suddenly make the dark world matter again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that was probably, objectively speaking, its most impressive feat. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, my biggest criticism of the dark world is that it's entirely skippable, and this movie makes it matter for ten minutes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of which, are we going to get into Thor? Listen, all I'm going to say about Fat Thor is that... If you saw that and you saw yourself uh, and you saw, you felt seen by how he coped with his depression, great. More power to you. I am not going to take that away from you. 
But you are lying to yourself if you're thinking, if you want to say that his appearance wasn't meant to be a punchline at first impression. Ultimately, like, yeah. I, I agree. There are a lot of people who felt yeah. represented by Thor, and I don't want to take that away from them. Exactly, yeah. But, you know, it's a matter of intentions versus execution versus impact. And if yeah. you look at intentions, they made Thor overweight because if they made him skinny, his depression wouldn't have been funny. Yeah. And, yeah. You want to talk about theater reactions? Let me put it to you this way. There was, uh, my theater laughed at Fat Thor. Me and one other guy cheered when uh, when Cap uh, picked up Mjolnir. I got, I feel like I got screwed, but you know. Yeah, no. Not the movie's Cap fault. Cap picking up Mjolnir for me, let me put it this way. <laughs> I, I saw this movie in a theater in Alabama. I've been to a lot of Alabama football games. I would right. compare him picking up the Mjolnir to multiple game-winning touchdowns I have witnessed at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing. There's so much payoff in this movie. Mm -hmm. Picking up the hammer is mm -hmm. just like the tip of the fucking iceberg, but you could go yeah. on for days. Mm -hmm. T'Challa remembering Clint's name is some... Like, the fact that these movies can turn that into a great moment. Instant kill mode coming back? Yeah. Oh, that was so good. I mean... Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's just go ahead and say it. the yeah. portal scene, one of the most hype scenes of all time. I yes. put it up there with the Charge of the Row Hiram in terms of, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah, exactly. And Cap finally saying Avengers Assemble. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't blue ball us long enough with that one. Yeah. Yeah. D yeah. Hot take, yeah. that scene would have been impactful even if he had said it at least once in each other movie. True. True. Agreed. Yeah. But yeah, going back to... Is, it, did, is there anything else you wanted to say about Thor or just... Uh, um, but? Not about Thor. Aside, it's just, it was nice to see him get that moment with his mother to remind you that that's a part of his character. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. 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 You know, show... Like, he's been the funny guy for so many movies in a row. Give him, like, something to struggle with again and overcome it. God. I know a lot of people feel like his character in this movie contract contradicts what he did in Ragnarok. I think it really mm -hmm. amplifies it. Yeah, I'm about to say. Well, I don't know where that's coming from. Here's I, the thing. At no point in Ragnarok does he want to be the king. Part of the reason Ragnarok happened is because he fucked off instead of wanting to become king. Exactly. He literally only became king because he was the only option. Mm -hmm. And at the end, he decides, no... I finally have the ability to just go do what makes me happy, and that's be a frat boy with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, and I refuse to do this on the backs of the, of the results of my father's genocide. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, and so now I want to talk about Black Widow. Yeah, okay. Before yeah. we get to... Yeah. I, in a vacuum, I like what they did with her, but overall it was a mistreatment of her character. Here, yeah. Here's the thing. Mm -hmm. They... The fact that she was absent from the final lineup and the girl power scene is a Unex kick in the face to that character. Yeah. The fact that she is the only original Avenger that doesn't make it to the final fight is a kick in the face. Mm -hmm. In a vacuum, the dynamic of that scene essentially being like Hawkeye once sacrificed a lot for her and now she's returning the favor so he can have the new life he gave her. Yeah. That's a good scene in a vacuum. But Black Widow had been treated so badly by the movies up until this point, like by Whedon's writing, honestly. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And Hawkeye had been such a non-factor aside from Age of Ultron mm -hmm. that in hindsight, it doesn't really feel earned. Yeah, exactly. Like, Also, one thing I'm glad they cut yeah. from mm -hmm. this movie, mm -hmm. they were going to reference that you think you're the only monster on the team line by having post-time skip a widow be running an orphanage. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That's why Ooh. we have editors. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crisis averted, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, going back to what you were saying about how uh, yeah. Hawkeye apparently sacrificed a lot for Black Widow is like, went right when you said that, I think to myself, so I, what you're saying is that would have been better if Black Widow maybe came out before Endgame, but... Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, and it's yeah. part of the reason why I think there's a very muted reaction for Black, the Black Widow movie, which I don't mm -hmm. know that it's going to be bad. I think it's going to be a perfectly serviceable MCU movie. Right. But, like, it's 
pre it, it takes place between Civil War and Infinity War and it's a solo movie you waited so long to give your first female main character a solo movie, you killed her off before you actually got around to it. Yeah. I will say this about Marvel. You all had to wait for DC to make a good Wonder Woman movie for you to decide it was worth making a Black Widow movie. And I'm not going to let anybody forget that. Yeah. Yeah. That's spot on. Yeah. Like, at least show us Budapest. Come on. Why... <laughs> Didn't we need to get a Black Widow Hawkeye movie before the first Avengers movie? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two characters treated pretty badly by the script throughout the movies, ultimately getting a really emotional scene that in hindsight doesn't feel that earned, is what happened with the Soul Stone. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll say, yeah. speaking of the time travel thing, though, the fucking ancient one coming back was a pleasant surprise. Oh my god, that was amazing, and she wipes the floor with Hulk and, like, and like, <laughs> And the fact that she apparently already knows about Stephen Strange because she's mentioned seeing into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that was... Yeah, the time travel scenes were all really well done. Yeah, honestly, and... I'm going to let you talk about that because time travel is one of those things that just makes my brain Yeah, I will say, like, the only thing with this movie is that it left... Um, I mean, Loki in that one time travel scene. Yeah, which, yeah, I mean, yeah, Hey, timeliness, yeah. that first episode aired earlier this week. Haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you know what? Ultimately, you know, it's time travel. Something has to go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, here's the thing with the time travel. It's kind of seems like more or less split universes, kind mm -hmm. of. Yeah. Like, the idea being, like, if you remove an Infinity Stone, it creates a split timeline, but you get a split dark timeline, but you get rid of it by returning the time, stone to its original point. Mm -hmm. It lets them fuck with the past without fucking up the present in any meaningful way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But then, two character endings I'm going to criticize here yeah. before we go into the actual rating, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. First off... Because we're talking about the time travel, Steve Rogers. Mm -hmm. If this movie had ended five minutes earlier, I would have liked the ending a lot more. Oh. I do not like him going back in time and staying in time for two reasons. Ooh, okay. First reason, the fact that he went back in time, stayed there, and showed up in the present completely contradicts the way they've been doing time travel up until that point. Yeah, yeah. If he wanted yeah. to have him stay back in time, I'm fine with the idea of him going back, staying in time, kind of. I'll mm -hmm. get to that in a second. Mm -hmm. But, like, I say that a lot. I should just I've, assume that you know I'm going to finish my sentences. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, shit. It's a, that, That's basically the philosophy that this entire franchise is built on, right? We'll get back to that later. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, here's the thing. Like, if you just sent back a note saying that, hey, I'll come back when I'm ready, but I'm not ready yet, that's fine. But, mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I do kind of like the imagery of old Steve passing the shield on to um, Sam. Yeah, which you need it. Which is why I was willing to let it go. It was yeah. like, okay, that's your gimme yeah. moment the because... The thing I don't yeah. like is that yeah. he stayed back in time with Peggy. It is a misuse of Peggy's character. Well, part of Peggy's character mm. is that, you know, there's more to her than just being Captain America's love interest. She had a whole life and a whole career of being a badass S.H.I.E.L.D. agent after Steve left. She had a family. Like, really want to pull time shenanigans with like, oh, well, maybe it really was Steve the whole time and they just didn't show it. Like, I don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> like, she had two seasons of a whole TV show that was about her moving on and being a badass S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and you just shadow over that just so Steve could get his girl. Right. Also, don't even let me get into unpacking what it meant that Steve was okay with living through the 60s again. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I love Steve yeah. Rogers, but if someone tries to tell me he's racist because he decided to live through the civil rights movement again, <laughs> I can't argue against that. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, like, only the white Avenger would decide that he liked going back in time and staying there. I mean, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it, I, I think I know who the second character is. Yeah, Tony Stark. We, Tony Stark, We mentioned yeah. it during our Iron Man 3 review. I think Iron Man 3 was a better ending for Tony's character than Endgame, and here's why. Mm -hmm. Tony's sacrifice was going to be heart-wrenching no matter what, because he's Iron Man. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you decided to time skip and get him married and give him a child specifically to make his death feel worse is a dick move. Because here's the mm -hmm. thing. 
you don't give your character a happy ending and then take it away from them for drama. Mm-hmm. Let your characters be happy. Mm-hmm. And that's my biggest issue with Marvel is they refuse to let so many characters be happy. Right. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I, I'm i fine with the snap happening the way it did. I just feel like it would have been just as impactful if you didn't have to worry about the fact that now his child is dying. And that's mm-hmm. why I feel like the time skip was too long is you let characters are just so much that they actually lose more by fighting to undo the snap than they do by letting people stay dead. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. not a great moral position to put them in. Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Ultimately, though, the final battle is fucking amazing. I mm-hmm. mean, it hits on all the right notes it needs to to um, satisfy the fans who wanted to see a good tribute and closing to the movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, you know, the finale of the MCU. I go back and forth between a strong gold and a weak platinum. I honestly think it's a gold. I say silver. I, yeah. I, was, I mean, I'll say this. If I had to rate it the day I left the movie theater, I would say platinum. But mm-hmm. a lot of hindsight and rewatching it has made me lower to gold. Exactly. One of one of the things my biggest issues was it was that uh, try and whenever people try to say that this is one of their favorite MCU movies, I, what I immediately say, okay, what were Black Widow and uh, Steve Rogers talking about over sandwiches? Uh, honestly, another thing, uh, it should have been Nebula who killed Thanos at the end. You think so? I don't know. I mean. Iron Man's final farewell getting the final kill on the main villain, like... Okay, fair. I mean, if it makes the film any better, she did in the comics. Oh. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So with all that said, yeah, I think Endgame did what it set out to do. It tied up the character arcs for the original Avengers to varying degrees of success. Um, uh, Shows them passing on the mantles to a new generation of heroes, and ultimately, after ten years, I think puts a pretty satisfying bow on the MCU, as far as the series finale goes. Aren't you forgetting something? What? Far from home. Fuck, they're still going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm The MCU's junk food, and I have a sweet tooth, so right. I'm not <laughs> complaining that I got another Spider-Man movie and I'm getting all these Disney Plus movies. But yeah, it's a serious finale that ends up having to leave a lot of loose threads so that they can keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But hey, Far From Home, ultimately... uh. It, I'll say right off the bat, it tied up a lot of issues that I had with Homecoming and actually like got me a lot more invested. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It actually yeah. moves itself away from a lot of like archetypal uh, archetypal um, high school problems by making it a field trip. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, it's a little annoying that we haven't really had a Spider-Man movie mainly taking place in New York with a fully competent Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But the Europe set pieces are fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like even that whole ending scene where he's fighting all the drones. That yeah. is incredible. It's a... It's not like a per- it's not like a single shot hallway fight scene, but the spider sense being used to its full potential there with him fighting with his eyes closed is badass. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, yes, yeah, again, like th- this movie really amps up a lot of the homecoming strengths with the cast and the character interactions. Mm-hmm. You have the dynamic between Peter and Aunt May just being, you know, the cool aunt who's really just struggling to be a single mom. Mm-hmm. Ned's still one of the funniest characters in the whole series. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Happy being there. Yeah. So, a great way for comic relief and a little bit of extra catharsis for Iron Man passing away. Well done. Yes. I, that. Let Happy and Aunt May be happy. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's not like a long-term thing, let's just let them be happy. Yeah. They, they both have some shit to work through. <laughs> just say the least. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I mean, I'll say this about MJ. I said in the Homecoming review, my biggest issue with her portrayal in Homecoming was they didn't really sell me on her as a potential love interest. Mm-hmm. And they nailed that in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Yep. Here's yep. the thing. 
normally secondhand embarrassment for me is a strike against a movie this movie secondhand embarrassment was so on point with the high school couples i was like oh god oh god this is too familiar oh god stop ah! <laughs> yeah no like oh, ned man. and yeah. betty brand being a that one gross annoying couple for like two weeks jeez nail on the fucking uh, head did the, mm. i mean peter being completely incompetent at anything related to women mm-hmm. yeah, again perfect okay. yep yep and it ended the, the, which i'm surprised Ned managed to end that amicably that was a good choice yeah that's yeah. the least re- that's the least realistic part of the whole movie <laughs> yeah mm. shit you're right yeah oh man I mean, yeah, so one thing we want to talk about before we get into the movie is this movie establishes the blip. The plot point that, you know, with everybody coming back after the snap, half of the population was five years older than the other half, and, I mean, the world is just kind of fucked up from that. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I will say that's part of why I didn't like the times because, well, that just feels like an unnecessary complication to add into the rest of your storytelling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they kind of shot themselves in the foot in terms of, like, what they can do with that. Right. Right, yeah. right, I mean, and but fortunately, it doesn't play that much of a role in this movie, though. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah. yeah, everything you mentioned is just, like, what, the first 10 or 15 minutes? Yeah. If that. Yeah, ultimately, a lot of this movie is about, you know, getting c- Spider-Man getting catharsis for Iron Man's death and trying to come into his own as a solo superhero. It's an epilogue. Yeah. It's, yeah. This is very much the epilogue of Endgame. Yes, yes. Uh. Yeah, which I will say the interesting thing about this movie's marketing cycle is that it had to start before Endgame came out. So mm-hmm. people were, aside from people knowing Spider-Man and everyone else is going to come back, you know, the hype didn't really start until the first post-Endgame trailer came out and people realized what this movie was really going to be about. Because mm-hmm. they didn't really show anything with Mysterio or the Elementals or anything like that until that second trailer. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they couldn't show anything dealing with Iron Man's death until then either. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It showed a very different movie at that point, and people finally started getting interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I will say, you know, we, I mentioned Mysterio. Let's talk about Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio. Yeah, which, talk about out-of-left-field casting, but I dig it. Yeah, no, it mm. works really fucking well. And, I mean, here's the thing. Like, people who are familiar with the comics knew going in Mysterio was a villain. It wasn't a plot twist. Right. But I saw yeah. a lot of people who didn't expect that who um, actually were surprised by it. Or at least, like, the movie executes it well enough that Mm -hmm. whether you knew or not going in, it still works out well. Yeah, exactly. Because the... His... I love what they did with his illusions. Right. Because they made him a disgruntled former Stark employee and he just... Well, did he steal the technology or did he just take back the technology that... He had, he, had, he had developed the technology and Stark took the credit for it, so he was taking... Something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... How fitting that the movie that is essentially therapy for Iron Man's death features one of the final villains who have been directly caused by his um, Tony Stark. By his by his Tony Starkness. <laughs> yeah. You could say it's a stark contrast. Oh God! Ow! Ow! I will say though that um, the one part of the movie that I really didn't like is the whole um Edith thing. The Edith thing? The sunglasses that? that control the oh, um, drones. Jeez! Like yeah. apparently Tony Stark could didn't learn his lesson at all with Ultron. <sighs> yeah, apparently. And apparently mm. a 16-year-old having access to that technology is the happy ending. Mm. D- don't think about it too much. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, he's fighting drones. Wait, he's interacting with Nick Fury. Yay! Who oh, is yeah. acting suspiciously out of character for some reason. Yeah, I wonder weirdly, what that could... Weirdly incompetent Nick Fury for some reason. <laughs> I did love the little scene where they're like, can you ask any other Avengers to help? And it's just a constant string of nope, 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 nope. Yeah, yeah. 
which I like what the, that they were managed to turn like uh, why don't you call the Avengers other uh, Avengers into a running gag? Yeah. Like, yeah, like I mean, if you have a problem in your movies that you can't really fix without fucking up your movies, at least turn it into a running joke. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. like they even uh. did that in Ant Man, where like they explain their plan. And they're like, okay, I think the first thing we should do is call the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, again, the fight scenes are all great. You know, a good mix of set pieces to show off Spider-Man's various powers. Yeah. He gets hit yeah. by a train at one point. That's rough. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, like I was saying, this talking about fixing my issues with the Homecoming, this movie actually does a really good job of demonstrating the, um, you know, conflict between the Peter Parker and Spider-Man aspect of his life, even if it was a little heavy-handed. Right. With the, you know, mm-hmm. Spider-Man part of his life being literally personified by Nick Fury tracking him through Europe. Jeez. Instead of it being, you know, a more metaphorical sense. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Speaking of Nick Fury, you want to talk about the Skrulls being in this? Yeah, let's talk about the Skrulls being in this and what and what that yeah. means. That was... <laughs> we'll talk about the two... Talking about the two after-credits scenes, this one first. Um, uh-huh. Talking of... I remember, like, coming out of Endgame, a lot of people were a little sour in the MCU just because they were like, well, where do you even go from there? Mm-hmm. The two end credit scenes for this movie immediately erased those doubts for me because it showed they were still willing to take chances and be insane with their t- storytelling choices. Oh, my God, So, like, yeah. with the Skrulls, first, and Nick Fury being in space working on a space station, super fucking cool implications for that. Yeah. But also yeah. the explanation that apparently this whole movie just happened because the Skrulls are not very good at being Nick Fury. <laughs> Yeah. yeah that's yeah but yeah the knowledge and how scrolls are on earth like working with nick fury and the remnants of shield to do stuff is definitely has a lot of ramifications oh my god yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. and i mean the other after credit scene which i mean <sighs> fucking J. jonah jameson with the original actor showing up <laughs> and revealing peter's identity because iron man connection <laughs> i mean like where the fuck like they basically just said, no, we're not doing traditional Spider-Man. We're going balls to the fucking wall with this. Oh my god, yeah, which is why I just hope that they don't cop out and just have him be a, a Skrull just to show, like, oh no, you can't I mean, here's be the thing, that's such an easy solution. It's like, oh look, Skrull, Peter Parker and Spider-Man in the same room. Like, I mean, they did stuff like that in the comics, and it's like, if they, they have such an easy solution, it's almost ridiculous if they don't do that. Yeah, true. Except yeah. apparently the Skrulls might not be interested in helping Peter. That's he also oh, doesn't yeah, know yeah. Skrulls exist. Oh shit, that's right. Yeah, I mean, here's the mm. thing. Part of the interesting thing about that is, like, the unknowing of, like, okay, where are you going with this? Mm. It's okay to not know where they're going with this and be interested in it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, th- th- because, let's just face it, this yeah. is just the beginning of Young Avengers. Basically. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, Endgame did the time skip to, you know, age Cassie up. You have young Peter Parker here. Mm-hmm. I mean, future movies, they're going to set up Kang the Conqueror. The Loki series might end with us getting young Loki. I mean, you're getting a bunch of younger characters. Yeah, and and we still have that uh, Kamala Khan. Yep, Miss Marvel. Coming, yeah, and yeah, I mean, yeah. Also with Mysterio, he might still be alive. True. Yeah, for yeah. people who didn't see this when the movie came out, yes, Mysterio seems to die in the movie, but Jake Gyllenhaal ended up tweeting out behind the scenes of photos that seem to show that there is a scene where he, it, like when Peter Parker returns home and is going home with Aunt May, mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal is in the background in like civilian clothing. Ooh. So, yeah, it seems like they might be having Mysterio come back. Oh. Or maybe oh. they're just fucking with us. Who knows? Dun dun dun. No. <laughs> also, yeah, MJ and Peter Parker are legitimately a good couple in this of course like i can count on one hand the number of couples in the mcu that are done well but they're one of them yeah 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 absolutely yeah and yeah yeah, so that's where the mcu last left off and i mean then the world ended a little bit yeah 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 so we yeah just uh before we transition to that though i i'd say this movie 
Gold. Yeah, gold. Gold. Like, yeah. legitimately one of my favorite Marvel movies. I haven't watched it as much as the other ones, but, like, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's excellent. And, um, I don't know, also, I really... Another another point about the whole revealing the secret identity thing is just, like, it's just, like, in the age of social media, just secret identities are just not... Yeah. The not MCU's viable, almost yeah. never really done secret identities anyway That's for true, any of their yeah. main characters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And, of course, moving into the future of the MCU... Number of movies on the slate to finally come out now that, you know, vaccines are going out. We are starting on the third Disney Plus series. Loki, um, Falcon Winter Soldier, and WandaVision already came out. I mean, yeah. you yeah. haven't seen them, have you? No, I have not. I've seen them. All I'll say is that WandaVision, one of my favorite things in the MCU, because it's one of the few things that feels like it has actual artistic vision behind it. Nice. Falcon and Winter Soldier, honestly, was like kind of middle of the road for me mm-hmm. couldn't really decide what it wanted to be and it kind of suffered from doing everything at once uh, i haven't gone around to starting loki yet but i'm hearing interesting things about it so oh my god we'll see yeah. yeah yeah ultimately i'm looking forward to continuing to enjoy superhero movies yeah we'll see what they do with the eternals that trailer looked interesting I guess. i'm just enjoying all the memes that are like where the fuck were you guys <sighs> they were they the vibes that I got from the trailer is that they're like the Greek gods. They Basically, just they yeah. just see what's going on. They're just like, oh shame. Yeah, Pop it's porn. like long have we waited, but now it's time to reveal ourselves and defend the Earth. Tony Stark's is having a great. Long have you fucking what now? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> uh, and then Kumail Nanjiani cuts his head off with his jawbones. Dude, I fully <laughs> welcome our new Overlord, Buff Kumail Nanjiani. <laughs> <laughs> Between Eternals and Green Knight, I think this is the year of buff brown superheroes, and I'm all for it. Yeah. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. Also, hey, yeah. maybe mm. Rob Stark and Jon Snow will finally get their post-Game of Thrones breakout they've been looking for. Yeah. 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 We could hope. Yeah. I mean, also, and, the movie has the Gemma Chan and Angelina Jolie, so I mean... Because... Mm-hmm. Literally nothing else matters other than that. That's, <laughs> that's your star power right there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So optimistic about the future, huh? I'd say so. Yeah, me too. Me I, too. One thing I will say though is I definitely don't feel bad if you can't keep up with everything the MCU does post Endgame because there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot. Yep. Content machine go. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I also don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying a franchise. Like, you're not a better or worse movie goer for looking forward to like incarnations of an established franchise. <laughs> like. Fucked film Twitter, basically. Yeah. Like, yes, I can enjoy junk food and enjoy sirloin steak. And you're not, like, more more or less of a foodie. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're not a bad film fan for saying, yes, I do like the MCU, and I would like to see more MCU movies. I'm pretty sure Emerald would order pizza once in a while. That's all. Just saying. I appreciate you choosing that, Chef, for your analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. All right, so... Yeah, I think uh, until more superhero movies comes out, or in to, and once we get back into theaters, to all of our listeners, thank you for busting a line with us.